Thank you for tuning in to today's TLDR episode of the Breaking Changes podcast. I am your host and chief evangelist for Postman, Ken Lane. With Breaking Changes, we explore topics from the world of APIs, but look at it through the lens of business and engineering leadership. Joining me today, we have Rashan Patel, content product manager for blockchain at the Tops Company. Rashan introduced me to the intersection of the blockchain and APIs when it comes to delivering more meaningful experiences across a variety of sports, providing a much more compelling view of NFTs in the blockchain than what you might hear elsewhere online today. Let's start with the basics. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah, so I'm a, a product manager on a TOPS NFTs team. So we are kind of in the process of building out our NFT platform where fans can come in, uh, buy, sell, trade, exchange NFTs that are officially licensed collectibles for and from TOPS. For those that are familiar with TOPS, obviously a very rich history as it relates to baseball trading cards, but we have a lot of great licenses that we're trying to leverage in the NFT space. Very new and developing space, exciting space, very kind of new area where I think there are a lot of people that are maybe a little skeptical about NFTs, but hopefully we can kind of demystify some of that on our conversation today. Yeah, well, let's let's kind of work, keep working our way through the basics of here. Like what is, what for those who, who aren't as familiar with TOPS, like what is, what is TOPS? What, what's traded? How, what's the business model? How does, how does that work? For those that aren't familiar with TOPS, historically speaking, going back 70 plus years, TOPS kind of became the officially licensed partner for Major League Baseball trading cards. And for those of us here in the States, obviously MLB is a very, very popular league. And that's really where TOPS kind of got their foot in this whole collectible space. Funny enough, historically, they started out including trading cards in packs of bubblegum. So one of our sister companies, Bazooka Bubblegum, back in the day, you could buy a pack of gum, get a couple baseball cards, and have some fun with it. Obviously, you know, over the years, that whole idea of collectible has really expanded across baseball, expanded across soccer leagues, the NFL, NBA, and also a lot of great entertainment properties one of those being Godzilla. So, so many fun things. And I think when you look at the, the hobby over the last handful of years, we've really seen an uptick in folks wanting to get back into collectibles. I think the, the cool thing to see is, especially younger generations like myself and even folks younger, they're starting to see collectibles as an alternative asset, something that they can potentially put some money into and actually see a return in you know six months, a year, five years, et cetera. So when you kind of put that lens on what is the value of NFTs or collectibles for that matter, back in the day, this is something you kind of put in a binder, collected, you know, had some fun with friends. But I think a lot of people are starting to see the, the monetary aspect of why these things are going for thousands or in some cases, millions of dollars. NFTs, I would say very new space, uh, evolving space, but there are a lot of parallels with regards to how we approach our product strategy on the NFT side uh, and really trying to leverage all the great things Tops has done from a physical standpoint as well. Yeah. So shifting that to the other side, what's an NFT? I'll keep it in, in very simple terms, but 
uh, NFT stands for non-fungible token, meaning that NFT or non-fungible token is unique to that collectible. When you think about cryptocurrency and things like that, where it's kind of a one-for-one -one type deal, those are what you'd call a, a fungible token. For what most folks are familiar with, with regards to kind of what they've seen out there at this point in time, very simply put, an NFT is no more than some sort of digital asset that can be in the form of a JPEG. It can be in the form of an MP4. It can be in the form of a GIF. And, and I think we'll get into this today, Ken, but a lot of folks out there think, hey, this is just a digital asset. Why can't I go on Google and screen record or take a photo of this asset and call it mine? Folks can very well do that. I think where the beauty of all of this is really on the back end. So being backed by the blockchain technology where you have this digital ledger of ownership related to this digital asset that you can trade, sell, start to generate revenue, kind of an ongoing basis. That's where it, it gets fun and that's where it gets interesting. And that's where it kind of differentiates from, hey, an image on Google versus an NFT that you can engage with and use to enter these NFT communities. And that's kind of like, I think where I wanna spend a little time talking about with you today is NFTs, like I've mentioned, the space is moving so quickly where we're not just going out and trying to create a digital asset, but we're really trying to think about how can this digital asset give you access to communities that you want to be a part of. So. You know, as a sports fan, focusing specifically on soccer NFTs at tops, really my challenge and my goal is to create a quality digital collectible, but then allow this collectible to give you access to some really cool things uh, in the physical world. So, for example, you know, you own this one of one Erling Haaland, who's a, a big player for Borussia Dortmund in Germany, uh, Norwegian international, one of the top young stars in the world right now. If you own his one-of-one -one Tops NFT, maybe that gives you access to uh, a FaceTime meet and greet with the player. Maybe that gives you access to going on the pitch before a game or after a game. So there are so many cool kind of utilities, and that's a, a word you'll hear often from folks in the NFT space. But how can we turn this into more than just something that lives on your phone or computer? And how can we turn this into something that gives you tangible fan experiences that maybe you couldn't have gotten before. So you, you ended on, on the right word that, that interests me here. So I'm not, I'm not very interested in blockchain. I, I get it. I, I'm not as super excited about a lot of the ways people are excited there, but I would transfer that to APIs in the API realm. It's not the API that matters to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm obsessive about APIs. And so but what matters with APIs is is the digital experience. So people get associated APIs with a resource. So Twilio is a, is a, a popular API. It's an SMS. Uh, a, a Stripe is another popular API. It's payments. And it's not those APIs that excite me. It's what those those experiences that those APIs enable. So it it enables those two APIs enable me to get alcohol delivery at my home during a pandemic. Um, and so that's what really excites me about what you're talking about is because it's not just the baseball card from 1978. It's that, which is the resource. It's the fact that I went there with my dad or I went there with my uncle or they won 
the the World Series or so there's a lot more experience being codified into that 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 NFT or that digital uh, that that matters. So, I mean, it's much more than just transferring baseball cards digitally and making it available on the blockchain. Right. Absolutely. And you've touched on a couple kind of really important key themes here, which is the product itself. Um, but m almost more importantly is the experience that we're creating. And oftentimes I used kind of the word digital ecosystem. I think, you know, having worked kind of in e-commerce uh, prior to tops, one of the things we used to say a lot is we don't want to drive folks to a destination. We want to drive folks to an ecosystem. So once you get them in, where can you drive them down that funnel to either give them more information to learn more about the product or if they're ready to buy, getting them right to the buy now page. Kind of two kind of parallel paths here as we kind of go out and build the tops NFTs marketplace and platform. I think APIs are a very critical piece to how we almost build efficiencies into the digital business that we've envisioned. That involves a lot of things. It, it includes the front end experience. It includes kind of user flows from signing up to two factor authentication to being able to buy. Uh, with a credit card. That's kind of one of the innovative pieces that we've tried to bring to our platform to try and make NFTs more accessible. A lot of these projects out there, you have to pay with cryptocurrency just to open up a digital wallet to buy or trade cryptocurrency is somewhat of a daunting task. It took me some time uh, to really figure out. And I think one thing that we're trying to do at Tops is, is trying to make NFTs more accessible not just for the crypto savvy folks, but also for, you know, folks that are just fans of a particular team or a league. So that's been one of the, the great things that I think we've been doing here at Tops and that we'll continue to do moving into the future. And then, you know, there's the product itself. I think one of the things you mentioned was really around trying to get folks to understand this is more than just a digital asset. And what allows us to open up these really unique opportunities is kind of what is called the smart contract. So each NFT has this pseudo contract associated with it, where it, the, the world is your oyster, really. You can do whatever you want within that smart contract. And that stuff is all viewable and visible on the blockchain. So I think there's still some way to go in terms of making the blockchain this truly transparent vehicle for folks to, to know exactly what they're investing in and, and what they're getting out of the NFT. But the smart contract is something that we're trying to do a lot of work with on the top side to engage and also make some of these really cool physical types of experiences possible. Yeah, that's a, uh, I mean, there's a lot of potential there. And I know your background, when we talked before, you have a, a product management background and, and one of the most critical pieces of, of APIs is not, and people don't always understand this, that APIs are a journey. It's not like you put out this API and, and you're done, check we won, you have to iterate and you have to evolve and you have to have feedback loops with your customers to be able to understand what they need. And so it's a journey to try to meet that. So I'm assuming you guys have started this journey and, and, and are well into it, but there's a lot of learning and, and feedback loop mechanisms needed for you all to dial it in and make it something that, that people actually need and understand and, and, and will invest in, right? Oh, for sure. I think with any sort of digital business, um, Things never go according to plan. Doesn't matter how good your product roadmap is, how many talented folks you have on your team. There's no better way to learn 
than by just doing it and iterating as you go. And, you know, you mentioned the product management background. I love that stuff. You know, I love things that just work. You know, they don't have to be fancy. They just need to work. And oftentimes with technology, things sometimes don't work and it frustrates customers and it frustrates users. We've kind of gone through all those kind of roadblocks and hiccups with tops and we have gotten better. And, and really that's a testament to our development team and our product management team and, and really the whole team because, uh, and I, I say this a lot, but be, before NFTs were even a thing, you know, my passion is soccer. Uh, my passion is product management. And for me, this was a great opportunity to kind of combine all those things that I've been following and doing for the, the, the past 10 plus years uh, and kind of bring that together and help build this team from scratch. So it has been a, a whirlwind for sure. Uh, we're making some really good progress, but to your point, there's no better way to test and learn. And I think one thing to mention about this Web3 NFT cryptocurrency community is we try to leverage community feedback as much as possible. And I know a lot of brands do that, a lot of companies do that, but that is kind of one of our main sources of determining what we prioritize on our product roadmap. And I think, um, you know, that's the beauty of NFTs is it's really about the community and the fans and their customers are very much so a part of the brand or the experience that you're building. So a lot of the additions that we've just implemented on topsnfts.com are very aligned with one, business priorities, obviously that's a given, but then two, kind of working backwards, hearing what the community has to say and trying to deliver features and functionality that make their experience a little more pleasant. Yeah, so important. I mean, that product management experience and view of things, I think is a healthy place because it can be a daunting to make sense and figure out the signal within the noise and public APIs scare the hell out of a lot of companies because there's a lot of unknown unknowns. But how do you establish so much confidence in it? I mean, there's there's some sh shady, not so good things happening, not not just with APIs, but with crypto and in and, and this world. So does does this feedback loop help you guys cut through some of that and 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 figure out what's what's healthy for business, what's not what's healthy for the community, all of that? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, just even kind of going back to when Tops NFTs really started, which was about one year ago when I joined, even a year ago, there were less NFT slash crypto companies out there that could provide some of these microservices or API integrations than they are today. So as we were scoping out this project a year ago, which it really isn't that long ago, in the grand schemes of building a business, we had to kind of go with partners that had a proven product and that had some sort of success metrics. Fast forward to today, there are a lot more players in the marketplace. There are a lot more potential partnerships to be had. And I think ultimately we're evaluating every day who are the best partners to work with, who can provide the services that we're looking for in a very new space. And to your point, yeah, there's a lot of interesting activity and a lot of potential for fraud in this particular space right now, which is all something that we're trying to kind of figure out on the back end to make sure we put the, the right things in place to kind of get some of these bad actors out and, and keep you know, the folks that are participating in a, in a legal way uh, happy and secure. So 
you know, to your point about APIs, you know, we've gone through some pretty robust kind of payment processing changes over the last few months to help us better deal with kind of these bad actors uh, and keeping folks like that out of the marketplace. Yeah. I mean, it feels like trust is pretty key in, in your guys' space and arena. And so translating that to a, a world, well, I mean, I would say there's a lot of trust in the crypto world, but it's a different, I would say a different beast, but bringing it back to the resources or the digital, the assets, and then the wider experience, like it's easy for me to wrap my head around baseball card, t-shirt, signature, things like that. But you guys are going to, when it comes to experience, I mean, there's a lot more to that. That's community driven location, flights, travel, like there's so much that goes into the sports experience in any industry. Are you, are you guys rapidly wrapping, you know, bringing in more than just the, the digital asset themselves? Yeah, absolutely. In the background, I've been working on, and really this is all tied to licensing deals, right? So when you go out, you sign a big league or a big team, you kind of try and bake in at the forefront, what are these experiential type events or signed jerseys or tickets to events going to look like? These are very much so things that we're working on. Right now, we're working on something pretty cool that will be a fan festival activation in Europe for one of the, the tournaments happening this summer. Can't name it right now, but it'll be a fun little activation where fans come to the fan festival, they participate in events, and we reward them with an NFT redemption. So to your point, right, like there's the, the digital fan experience, what that looks like from beginning to end, all the different digital touch points that you can engage with that person. And then there's the physical realm as well, where Tops has such a great physical trading card following and community that... My whole goal is to kind of have digital on one side, physical on the other, and how can NFTs almost bring these two ecosystems together? And one thing that I haven't mentioned yet is Tops was recently acquired by Fanatics, which for the folks that don't know about Fanatics, they're kind of like the officially licensed retail partner for a lot of the sports teams out there right now. So they have a big deal with the MLB. I believe they have a deal with the NFL and NBA and so their main focus over the last 10 years has really been around e-commerce. And part of their strategy with acquiring Tops was so they could get into the digital collectibles and collectible space. So when we think about the user experience or the ecosystem that we're building, we see a lot of synergies to be had with the ecosystem that Fanatics has built in terms of their strong e-com presence and relationships with all these teams. But then layering in NFTs, digital collectibles, physical collectibles, and really thinking holistically around, hey, how can we get all these things to kind of play together and amplify the fan experience from beginning to end? Yeah, there's a lot of talk about the potential of crypto that you have to have a good imagination to imagine and see and, and believe. But when it comes to sports, like I mean, I know the 70s, 80s, 90s, just the, the years that I was alive on this earth. But I can imagine the shift from like World War II until the year 2000, like the transformation of the sports industry when it comes to 
money spent experiences like there's a lot of shift and and new things to emerge that i would you would have never imagined in 1960 or 1970 this the amount of money that gets spent on sports and fans and marketing and and all this so when you start translating this to the the nft realm that's something that now okay now just with that growth in the physical world translated into this digital world and then back again I, that's something pretty exciting to think about as far as the possibilities. Yeah, I would agree with you 100% there. I think the possibilities are really endless. And one thing that I will say is there are so many different companies that are popping up. And my advice to maybe folks that aren't familiar with NFTs or have thinking about getting into them, there is so much hype in this space right now where some of the prices of these NFTs or these NFT projects are astronomical, you know, in the thousands or millions of dollars. In a lot of cases, outprices, you know, normal individuals like myself from maybe even participating. So, you know, the one thing to keep in mind is this space right now is very much so concentrated on a very small percentage of the larger potential market size for NFTs and cryptocurrencies as we think about the next two years, five years, 10 years. So we're very, very early on in this space. But I think as a sports fan, and and I'll kind of gravitate towards that just because that's what I know. And and that's where I initially made my first kind of investment into an NFT uh, as it relates to sports. But sports is so beautiful because it's really capturing moments in time. And when we see or think about an NFT, these NFTs can also be video moments. And so when you think about going to your first MLB game with your, with your pops back when you were five, right? If you could have an NFT that kind of commemorates that moment and becomes something that you hold forever, it's just as much so the kind of internal emotional kind of sentiment of owning something like that as it is kind of the digital innovative piece as well. So You know, there's a lot of emotion, I I feel like, in terms of how we think about our products. We definitely try to put ourselves in the fans or the consumer shoe when thinking about, hey, you know, what are folks going to like? And and something that I I constantly kind of relay to the team is if this isn't something that, that I would buy myself as a diehard soccer fan, then, you know, it's not something that I want to release. And so, yeah, to your point around the digital opportunity and the physical opportunity and how we can kind of start to bring those things together and and bridge that gap. NFTs for me was a really cool way and innovative way to be able to do that. And I've heard you use the the word accessible several, several times throughout this. And it feels like, so for me, like I'm, I'm a technologist, I'm old school database guy. I've been working with technology. I get excited and geeky about it, but my experience at, at this age is most people don't, care about technology at all until it matters to their their actual life. And so I feel like what the way you're using the word accessible is a, is has potential to make this technology something that's pretty complex. I mean, crypto is not easy to wrap your head around, but to make this world a little bit more accessible to to normals or mainstream people because of that emotional connection with with the sports and and their community and all of that. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I've felt very strongly about since I started at Tops and kudos to our leadership team for kind of having that vision from the get-go 
a lot of these NFT platforms, you can only buy with cryptocurrency. And that is kind of a barrier to entry. I think when we think about kind of the level of adoption uh, for cryptocurrency over the last, you know, five years or so, it's been slow, but it's been steadily rising quicker and quicker. So, you know, when you combine that kind of barrier to entry with also this mystified new NFT concept, it can be a little daunting. It, it can scare a lot of people because a lot of what these people hear is, you know, a, a card that goes for millions of dollars, or they hear about, you know, all the fraud or all the scams happening. And, you know, as a potentially new user hearing those things, it's like, well, you know, if I'm on the fence, I might be a little afraid to get involved. So, you know, that's really why we, we made it a priority to build our own platform where folks coming to topsnfts.com knows every NFT on our platform is officially licensed. It's backed by Tops. You own that officially licensed NFT collectible and the creative that comes in it. And so we're, we're trying to create this safe space while also, you know, thinking about the future as well. And I think one of the, the main priorities for us was how do we reduce the barriers to entry here? And really it's a two-step process to sign up, create an account with your email and phone number, and you're immediately kind of thrown into, you know, our ecosystem where you can kind of engage with different IPs, different leagues, and, you know, buy and sell NFTs at your will. Another thing that I've kind of tried to do, at least on the soccer front, is this idea of accessibility. I want to create products that aren't going to price people, you know, out of what's reasonable. And so when we think about the products we're selling, I try to keep it, you know, generally at a price point that I think is fair. And I know maybe sometimes that that's not the, the best business approach in terms of, you know, generating the, the, the most revenue. But the reception from our community, I think, speaks for itself where we're releasing, you know, Bundesliga NFT video cards for a much lower price point than what some of these other competitors are doing. And that for me is kind of a, a proud moment because, like I said, I, I don't want to sell a product or create a product that I wouldn't buy myself. And so this is all about bringing new fans into the ecosystem. When you slap, you know, $100, $200 price tag on something for 10 NFTs, sometimes it's, it's a little harder to get someone to buy into that versus, you know, having a pack for maybe $10 where, you know, they get four NFTs. So this is all part of the strategy. This, this kind of thought process goes into every product release that we have across all of our IPs. And it's kind of a fun thing to do because every release, we're learning new things about our customers. We're learning new things about the product. And like I said, we engage with our community to make sure you know, we're taking their feedback to heart and we're trying to kind of iterate and implement those things for our next releases. Yeah, it feels like the there's a lot of talk about regulation coming for crypto and there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of a lot of emotions wrapped up in that. But some folks feel that there's there's a grounding, a necessary grounding force and kind of stabilizing. I'm skeptical whether that should be the government doing that or or, or who. But this sounds like that y'all are going to introduce tops is going to introduce the trust, some of that grounding and stability to help make a base for this so that it can grow and, and eliminate a lot of the volatility, address some of the fraud and some of the other things and make it something that's that's accessible to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. That's kind of one of our main priorities, which is kind of why we've put a lot of effort over the last three months or so kind of trying to stabilize our platform, making sure it's safe, making sure it's secure, 
making sure, you know, if a customer goes and buys something, they're getting what they paid for and that thing is being delivered. Right now, I think when you think about some of the blockchain technologies out there, you know, um, Ethereum being kind of the, the main one in the NFT space and uh, Solana also popping up as well. The fees associated with what's called minting an NFT. So creating an NFT and having that live on the blockchain, the, the fees associated with that are called gas fees. And right now, uh, and I'm sure you guys are aware, the processing power to actually generate an NFT and add that or create that on the blockchain requires a lot of computing power, a lot of energy, and sometimes in, in a lot of cases, a lot of money. So as we think about the future of the blockchain piece of things, one, it's right now all about kind of level of adoption. So where are the most folks uh, participating uh, and buying these NFTs? What blockchain are they using? And that one right now is Ethereum. But we've actually gone with one that has lower gas fees and also is a little more eco-friendly called Avalanche. So those are kind of the top three, probably in terms of users uh, and communities as part of that group is Ethereum, Solana, and then Avalanche. And, you know, we'll see the development of more um, layer one and layer two kind of uh, blockchain solutions kind of over the next year or two years. But that's kind of a big pain point right now in this entire space is just the, the, the number of fees associated with just minting an NFT. So these are all things we're kind of trying to take into account. If there are higher fees to mint an NFT, then usually those costs will be kind of reflected in, in the price that we're setting for our NFTs. So from a consumer standpoint, we're trying to keep our products at an affordable price point across the board. It sounds like the stabilization that's needed in the early stages of this to really take it to that next level. On a, on a, on a slightly different tangent, you know, I grew up in America, grew up playing soccer been to some regional soccer games in America, nice. went to my first one in Barcelona, whole different experience. So are you guys going to be able to fix soccer in America and get our men's team better and, and, and make it so American fans are on board? Man, I'll tell you what, I was actually in Orlando a couple of weeks ago for U.S. versus Panama World Cup qualifier. You're totally right. Football is the global game, except here in America. And just to kind of give you guys a little context, one of my main goals for coming to Tops was maybe a, a little bit selfishly was to help grow the sport of soccer in America. And I looked at NFTs, what was happening in that space, and saw a great opportunity to grow the game here in America. I grew up playing um, youth soccer in California. I played um, Division One soccer at the College of William Mary in Virginia and have had kind of a, a fortunate kind of experiences to be able to travel the world and see the sport be played in a lot of different countries. And I say this a lot with soccer. Sometimes the ball speaks louder than words. You can be in any country in the world and you pull out a soccer ball and you can interact and engage with anyone without even speaking a word, which I think just kind of speaks to the the power of, of soccer or football just as a whole. As it relates to America, I think qualifying for the World Cup was huge. I was really happy to see that. And we have a lot of young stars that are just kind of coming in and slowly growing into the role that I think they will play on the U.S. national team. So 2022 is going to be kind of a proving ground in Qatar. But in 2026, the World Cup will be in North America, Mexico, Canada, 
United States. And I think that's going to be kind of our time to shine on the international level. And I think you look at the work being done with Major League Soccer here in America, all the new MLS teams popping up across the country, Charlotte FC setting record attendance for their first inaugural game a couple months ago. The soccer fever, as I like to call it, is is here. I think it's just all about the right type of leadership, the right type of coaching, and honestly, just pure will. I think what I'd like to see from the U.S. national team is them going out there just fighting for the badge. I think we have a lot of great young stars, and I think the next few months is going to be about how we bring these talented players together to get them operating as one team, as one country, as one nation. And obviously, you can tell I'm super passionate about soccer, but I think the the one thing that I love about American soccer and American soccer players is they go out there and they compete. And I think when we think about the mentality or the team culture, that's what I hope to see at the World Cup. I don't think we have to play the the beautiful game like a Brazil does or a Spain does. We just have to go out and compete and, and show the world that, hey, America is a future soccer powerhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you got to my next question, which was, you know, what gets you passionate about the next five years? I think you covered that. And for me, I'm always joking when, when I fly places like an airplane, like I'm always fascinated by the airline industry. And like, I joke that this plane takes off because we collectively like believe it's going to, you know, we're going down the road, all of us passengers, like believe this is going to take off. And so I feel like there's a certain responsibility soccer fans have to in in the overall experience that's going to propel our teams to this this global position and so so i i was somewhat joking when i asked that last question but you're like clearly dead serious about that like that we can harness this digitally and in person and actually get there absolutely i think um and i'll just use one very kind of interesting but very real kind of idea is Right now on our platform, we have a bunch of MLB Major League Baseball product. We have Godzilla product. We have Bazooka Joe Bubblegum product. And we have Bundesliga soccer product. When we look at the, the number of kind of repeat users, so folks that come in for that first launch, the second launch, third, fourth, ultimately a lot of what folks look for in the NFT space is, yeah, the reality is some people are looking to make, you know, a little bit of money by buying and selling cards. And... I would guarantee you a lot of the users on our platform now may not have been soccer savvy or interested in soccer, but they, the second they see a big Bundesliga soccer star card going for $10,000, they immediately become interested and they immediately start researching who that player is, when they're going to get traded, you know, how many goals they have. So it's a lot of what we see in our discord, people actually engaging and talking about the sport and we have a number of MLB high spenders that also are buying Bundesliga packs and trying to learn about the sport and the team and, and the club. So it's it's super fascinating to see, especially in Discord, where you have a potentially new user who knows nothing about soccer and then another user who knows a lot about soccer and them coming together and talking about, hey, who's going to be the next hot player that I should be looking out for? And those are some of the fun conversations that we have with our community. And even internally, as we think about the products, we obviously want to include the best players, the best moments. So all of these kind of pieces kind of come into play in terms of, one, our understanding of the game, who the players are, where that team or that league is headed. 
but then on the back end, being able to create product that really plays up all the great things happening in the world of sports and the world of soccer. Wow, I'm sold, man. Like you, like you, you pitched me on. I'm a believer now in this. This is a uh, because I, you know, like I said, the crypto isn't what excites me. It's the experiences that people are going to have, and and I think you really, really speak to that in 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 a, in a meaningful way and elevates it above a lot of the crypto kind of BS that I've been hearing over the last year or two. So. This is impressive. I'm I'm stoked. This has been a great conversation. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what y'all are building. Where can we head to learn a little bit more about it? If you guys, and I can send this to you, Ken, after the call as well, but if you go to tops, T-O-P-P-S, NFTs.com, you'll kind of be thrown into our NFT experience. Like I mentioned, it's, it's very easy to create an account. All you need is an email. You know, you create a username two-factor authentication with a mobile phone number, and then you're in. You can upload a credit card or debit card to pay for either packs in the store or cards in the marketplace. But the experience from where it is today to where it was six months ago, much better, you know, in terms of the way in which folks can get to, you know, what they're looking for. With that being said, a lot more work to be done on our ends from a customer experience standpoint from a product innovation standpoint, but I can guarantee you, you know, myself and, and all the other team members at Tops working day in, day, day out to kind of bring this to life for our community. Well, I appreciate that work. I appreciate you coming here and sharing it with our audience and uh, appreciate this conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, appreciate it, Ken. Thanks for having me. And yeah, really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks again to Rashawn for stopping by. You can find more about Tops at topps.com and you can find Rashawn on LinkedIn. You can subscribe to the Breaking Changes podcast at postman.com slash events slash breaking dash changes. I'm your host, Ken Lane. And until next time, cheers.